You're listening to Tonebenders, where designers take apart their songs and, piece by piece, tell the story of how they were made. My name is Rene Coronado. Mark Strait has been a composer and sound designer for a wide variety of games, films, and live attractions from around the world for over 15 years. For the commemoration of our 100th episode, we commissioned Mark to create new theme music for the podcast. In this episode, I spoke to Mark from his home studio as he broke down the main thoughts of his original composition, Tonebender. My name is Mark Strait. I'm a composer and technical sound designer for film, video games, and haunted attractions, and I also am an electronic dance music producer. Uh, well, it got started with you. You uh, messaged me on Slack and were talking about basically making a new intro for Tonebenders, and I was immediately excited because you wanted me to make something that sounded like one of my favorite tracks from uh, I Am Heaven, my previous album, and you were like, I want something with a really fat synth vibe. And I immediately was like, yes, I'm hooked. I want to do this. <laughs> and uh, ever since then, I was just like, I was sold and I wanted to dive in on it. And uh, then I started actually by opening the original uh, track, which is called Tremor. I took the template that I used for Tremor and applied it over to a new project, and I just started writing something new. The beginning of Tonebender, the song, the full song, was actually taken from the MIDI you sent me, uh, because I wanted it to fade from the old intro theme into the new one, so everything in the entire song was based off of the original intro. Yeah, so originally I wanted to make something that was faster paced, that was uh, a bit more synthwave, a bit more heavy, a bit like something that you can really like, like nod your head to and just feel good while you listen to. And whenever I started making Tremor, I just was, I really loved that style. And I don't really ever get a lot of commissions for, hey, make a crazy synthwave track. So I was like, okay, well, this album is just me making things that I want to exist that I don't really get commissioned for. So I made Tremor and then you were like, hey, I really dig that. Can we do that? And I was like, yes. Tremor was really just me taking something that I really love, which is like dark-ish synthwave music and making it set with vocals and making it um, a style that I'm a big advocate for templating. I have like a template of eight to 10 synths that I use. That's my, my synthwave template. And then I build off of that. And so it starts out with like that small group. And then based on how I'm writing, I'll like build off of everything to make a new sound specifically based around that, that feel. So by taking the template, I already knew the headspace of the main driving bass, which is what you hear, the growl bass, which is right here. 
the main growl bass is like the the foundation for the track for me at least i wrote that before anything else and whenever i'm trying to like go through the track it's always like okay start with the growl then build off of that to give it like a sound that feels really full and also like matches the level of aggression that i think that the rest of the track needed there's not a lot of times whenever whenever you're going through the song that things stay the same very long and that was strictly because it was like the, the name of the song is tone bender i'm gonna throw a lot of different styles into this so that's why there's like a really big bass drop there's like guitars there's an organ there's like everything that i really love about synthwave it's just like hey y'all are gonna hang out right now right here and so a lot of it was like finding space and making an architecture of like the flow to be able to be like, okay, these changes and these movements all feel correct, even if this song is really busy and does not stay the same very long. The initial part, which is what you hear in the introduction for the podcast, that was the only thing that was really sketched out. Um, I made that in full before I made the rest of the track. And I think I was even messaging you at the time. I was, I said, I really like this. I think it was like two days into working on it. And I told you I was basically done. And I was like, I think that we have something here. I think that I can do a full song with this. And I think by like day five, at least 75% of the song was done. And then the rest of it was just like polishing. But it mainly starts with making the foundation of a track which is like the growl bass and a couple of the other foundation pieces, like the swoop bass, which is the only, it's one of the only things that stay consistently in the song. So I sketched out the things that are kind of like the foundation of it and then built everything around those pieces. And uh, I just like, I let it ride and change as it, as it felt necessary. A lot of the bass sounds that are in the track are just very, very, very heavily micro layered bases so I, i'm used hybrid on this which is a program that i rarely use but i use this preset that i modified in particular on tremor and it has like a very very unique like bass sound that i couldn't make with serum very easily so i started with that and i knew exactly how i wanted to mix it but then i didn't think it was thick enough so i added what i have labeled as the swoop bass and that is a drop re-space that I have. And that one has a really like nice sound. It's kind of a bass, but it's more so like, it has the texture of a lead because it's mainly about a pulse type feel. So it's mainly in there just to kind of give the initial hit of the rest of the instruments kind of like presence. And then whenever there's big chords, it sounds really nice because um, it'll just keep chaining. So it'd be like, dun, 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 dun. like whenever that stuff starts happening, that sounds better than if I'm doing it just gated individually. Like, okay, these notes are going to play in this order. Just the natural progression of it just felt better. So everything about the drop space was really, really like important to me. And then adding these other ones, like the pluck, that's a just a textural element. I think that I removed everything from that in mixing stage, except for just like 
one part of the mid frequency so that you could hear it kind of being like really flimsy. And then the lead bass is a part of massive and that's that's not even listed as a bass synth. I just played it a, a, like obnoxiously low and then it it sounded really really funky and I it, it fattened up everything. So I was like, okay, you're staying here. And yeah, so a lot of this is just really intense micro layering to make one unified sound, which this is probably the project that I've done this the most with. I usually do a lot of micro layering, but nothing quite as intense as this. Just the bass, uh, the bass section alone is 26. It's like what, 13 layers just for the bass section alone. Yeah, so it's probably the most intense section that I've done before. I think my favorite one is actually the one that's called Knife, because it just sounds really weird. It has like this rhythm, really like gnarly bass rhythm feel that I love. And the Knife setting is the one that, that drove that entirely. So that was... um. Yeah, it was a lot of experimentation and a lot of, like I said, micro-layering that kind of built the architecture for everything that was happening. So then I started going into more of the synth stuff, which is like... So that section, there's a lot of like the lows that are coming through, but the main highs that are, that are popping in and out, those things I really enjoy. Those are a part of the lead that kind of give it the glitchy feel that I really enjoy. But yeah, the entire beginning was just like making the the bass sound as big and as intricate as possible. And then I would have like that what I would say is the melody coming in. And that's like the reoccurring theme of the track. So there that's actually stacked here as well, and I think in a couple other places. Just because I wanted it to just, whenever it happens, I want people to like feel a good amount of energy from it. So I'll play that back. So yeah, I really dug that, and then uh, then it goes into the big drop phase. That that was like the happiest accident possible, to be very honest with you, because the entire drop section happened because I placed I think like just basically these two bars in an incorrect area, because I wrote those out as a part of a layer to this, and I dropped them over here, and then I was like, oh, oh, this this is great. I I want to have more of this, and then that kind of was like the felt like it was like okay we're we're this has this has legs. That was like whenever I was really sold on making this a full track. I like messing with chords a whole lot more than I like just actually playing them. So as soon as I write one, and I'm I'm usually like how can I make this into a really weird ARP? So that's that's largely like my thought process is make something pretty, then make it weird. <laughs> And that's why I have the entire song has piano in it, it's like from basically the, the beginning part and then uh, the ending. And then like 
the entire point of that was to like, okay, all my stuff has piano. These are going to be the chords that are happening most often. Now, how can we take these chords and kind of just transform them into something very much not that? So that's why whenever you get into like the drop part, it's a big part to me because it's like I'm taking apart those chords and I'm just kind of like playing with them in a really weird way. I'm like double stacking the same synth and adding other additional basses to it to make it sound. The entire time this is happening, it's just like... I was wondering to myself, like, is this even going to come through with all the crazy amount of basses that are happening and all the like, different layers? But after the mixing stage, just it made it go from uh, a very organized chaos to, oh, this is actually a song. There's a lot of like stuff going on. So everyone that really, really digs it has a bunch of different like parts of their like, oh, I really like this. And they're like, people have noticed like the really fine details about like, the guitar that I put in, people notice how the guitar changes as it continues. And there's a lot of like strumming in there. And uh, I was like, oh, thank God, because I spent way too much time on that part. I'm glad someone noticed. So with the guitar there, it starts out with just these two, which are just ones that I really enjoy hearing. Super crunchy, like very, very MIDI guitars. But for me, I was like, this is exactly the way that like this should sound. And also like the solo that's in here was really gnarly to write because I was like, I want to make something that's like a heavy metal, the solo, but that somehow works in this setting. This is supposed to be a bass sound, but here we are. So I took my Les Paul sound and I put it into here. So that's like what you hear in the very beginning. That's like the did 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 like it's like the really really high pitched weird sounds that you're hearing before the guitar kicks in. So I'm like, whenever I'm doing transitions, I want to like attack the listener's ear to get ready. It's like, hey, something new is happening. So you're going to be coming from one of like the parts that you've heard before. Like you're hearing that drop again. So you're going from that the big drop that you normally hear, and then you're hearing the organ, and then you're hearing this tweak, and then right after comes the guitar moment, and then down here the solo starts happening. There's also two layers for the solo because I couldn't get it right with one. This was just like an Omnisphere preset that I modified a little bit, and I added some Decapitator to, and it sounds really cool. With this part, it sounds really muddy, which if anyone listening is like, that sounds like a trash can. I'm like, I will tell you right now, you are right. And that's why mixing is very important um, <laughs> because the mixing stage to this was pretty much the only reason why that sold as a guitar at all, because it was pushing it to me to just get it to sound right. So the guitar from here is just like regular bars. So it starts out with the strumming that I'm talking about, 
but it doesn't really get louder until we I went into the mixing stage, and that's whenever I amped up the way that the uh, the strumming sounds on the second half because I wanted to drive home that like the guitars are just kind of whiling out at this point because we're approaching the end. And that stuff is like very far in the back still because the guitar was just like an accent note, a part of everything except for whenever the solo kicked in. But for me, that's like my favorite part. And I was really happy that a lot of people really enjoyed it. This part, the guitar solo, this is just another version of the Omnisphere guitar, but I changed a couple of other things about it, and I was able to do just a little bit of volume work on it, because with this, like, this is like the longer notes that are preparing you for the solo, and whenever the solo ends, I wanted to have like that really long, like, ring out note that a lot of like metal songs have until the solo ends there's just that guy just slamming on the whammy bar like it's his job like i wanted to have like that sort of feel <laughs> as all the guitars kind of just go uh start like strumming along and the flow just keeps going so i brought those in i think that that's probably the most like the part for me that made the song but i know that it was like wholly unnecessary for the song <laughs> And uh, Tone Bender, to me, was about like taking a whole lot of different sounds and making something unified around one song. And I just wanted to do my best to reflect that with how the instrumentation felt and how much difference was in the song it's, itself. The mixing process was, the beginning of it was me debating on if I was able to do it or not. Because I like mixing, but I also take a long long time whenever i mix so this was like the first time i was like i don't know if i'm good enough to mix this and i don't know if this will like take way longer than expected and i kind of was debating on sending it to a friend that mixes a lot of my music but i decided it was like at the very end i was like okay i wrote this this means a lot to me and I will make someone miserable with the amount of changes that I have over small, dumb things. So I'm going to do it myself, no matter how frustrated I get with it. So the beginning of that was kind of like me arguing with myself for a while. But the actual mixing process was pretty straightforward. It was all about arranging things and making sure that each layer, like in the bass section only focused on that one personality of the bass layer that I cared about. Because largely, if, if it was included, there was a very specific reason, and everything else that it brought to the table didn't matter. And so I kind of just made sure to reflect that with the mixing process. And because I did a lot of my effect layers just baked into the MIDI section, just to make sure I had the right feel, I didn't need much in the effects range except for just making sure the EQ was up and up. For me, the mixing process, I get everything together over on this end, and I know that once there it's in stem form, the track is done. If it's still in MIDI, I'm going to edit the shit out of it. I'm a control freak, and I will be like, okay, what if I add more to this song? And it was never get done. I will still be working on it today if I have the MIDI open. Like, that's that's the problem that I have. So 
whenever I'm like 90% good with a song, I'm like, okay, we're done. I like render it out into wave. I throw it into a new project and then the mixing process happens. And if there's something that I don't like, it gets cut. So instead of changing it way more than it should be, it's just gone. And that's been the best process that I could possibly have, have asked for. So everything starts out at zero. Everything is at its original stem volume. And then based off of how it delivers in the song during the mix stage, I'll start adjusting based off of that. So everyone always advocates and yells at me saying like, I should start mixing low, like with the volume low and kind of like build off of that about what's important. But I like music loud way too much for me to be able to do that. So for the sake of my personal enjoyment and like against my own better ears, like long term, I I mix like the bass level volume. I mean, honestly, for me, the, the biggest thing is uh, know how much freedom you have with this. I was really privileged because you're like, as long as this works for the, the podcast, then we're good. So like know how much freedom you have and take advantage of it when you have total freedom. But more importantly, it's just like make sure that you're having fun with the music that you're writing because it always sounds better. That's realistically all I got. Whenever I'm writing stuff, it's usually just like, what can I do to make my make sure that I'm enjoying the process? Because if I'm having fun, the listener is going to be able to perceive that in some esoteric way. And now here's Tone Bender by Mark Strait in its entirety.
Tonebenders is made by Timothy Muirhead, Teresa Morrow, and me, Renee Coronado. You can follow us at The Tonebenders on Twitter. Thanks for listening.